0: What if, instead of going online to find a neighbor who might be selling a lawnmower or a nightstand, you went online to find a neighbor who might need some minor financial support to avoid some major distress, like losing their home or not being able to buy critical medicine? This is possible thanks to an exciting new platform, NeighborShare. You will hear all about it from Executive Director Kelly Kreps on this episode of Making Our World Better. Welcome to the Making Our World Better podcast, where you will find motivation and encouragement through lively conversations with inspirational people who every day are making our world a better place. Now, here's your host, Jay Clark. Welcome to the podcast. I am Jay Clark, and I'm thrilled to welcome Kelly Kreps, a nonprofit veteran and executive director of NeighborShare, a nationally innovative platform that connects individual donors to families during pivotal moments of need. Can't wait to learn more. Kelly came to NeighborShare with nearly 15 years of experience in nonprofit, in nonprofit leadership. Most notably, she led the US network team at United Way Worldwide, the world's largest privately funded nonprofit. Supporting the national footprint of 1,100 affiliates. Wow. As a strategy and operations consultant, Kelly built a national social determinants of health framework for a $7 billion healthcare system and helped rebuild the fundraising infrastructure and culture of a $47 million Chicago based nonprofit which included securing a $10 million gift. Kelly is a graduate of Central Michigan University, go Chippewas, and started her career in broadcasting and public relations before a long, her long and successful stint in the nonprofit sector. She joined NeighborShare in 2022, and I can't wait to get into all of this. Kelly, welcome, and thanks so much for being here.
1: Gosh, thank you, Jay. It's great to be here.
0: Tell me, how would you describe NeighborShare uh, to somebody that's never heard of it?
1: Yeah, thanks for asking. Um, Neighbor Sheriff, like you said, is a platform that connects neighbors who need help with neighbors who want to help. Um, we were actually founded during the pandemic as um, our founding team of, of, of people looked around and like all of us, we seeing a lot of the need that was coming through mm-hmm. um, and asking, how can we help? How can we get people the help they need when they need it? And it was a really actually unique and diverse group of of founding team members. And as they dug into this, what they found is, is, hey, look, this has been exacerbated by the pandemic, but this has actually been an ongoing problem for forever, right? And the Federal Reserve actually has been tracking this indeed, that the number of Americans who can afford a $400 emergency, and so the team really started to think about how do we build a system that serves this better? How do we get people the help they need when they need it? Because we have a great social care system, but it's got some some cracks in it, yeah. and these families are falling through the cracks. And so, how do we fix that? And so right. the team kind of came together and found a solution, which ended up being NeighborShare.
0: So tell me how it works. If I'm a donor and I'm I'm interested in helping somebody. How, where do you guys fit in the equation?
1: Yeah, so we, I think, fill an important gap in the ecosystem. So let me tell you a little bit about how we work and then kind of where we have some differentiators. So um, what really appealed to me about NeighborShare is that the team said, hey, we're not going to reinvent the wheel. We're going to partner with nonprofits that are already on the ground, that are local communities, that are working with families and individuals every day and able to identify what we call these micro moments of need that are slipping through the cracks. And so think of, of shelters, of youth programs, domestic violence support, et cetera. Those are our partners. And they, um, when they're working with families and identify these needs, they pop them onto the NeighborShare platform where our community of donors oh, awesome. is to meet the need just in time. Yeah. <laughs> and so there's, I, Go ahead.
0: Sorry, I was going to say there's so many nonprofits I talk to that are doing great work that nobody's ever heard of. So it's like, well, if you're offering these awesome services, how how can people find you? This provides an awesome platform for those organizations.
1: It's exactly right. It, it It's a way for us to amplify the great work that these nonprofits are already doing. And it's a way for us to support them better because um, oftentimes either resources aren't available or the way these these sort of organizations are structured. They're not able to meet sort of the holistic needs that they see come through with some of these families, right? So think about a a shelter who's working with a family, they've gotten them to a more stable position again. And then that $350 car repair hits that, that the family can not afford. And all of a sudden, they're at risk of not being able to get to work. Then they're losing shifts. And then they're losing their job and all of the hard-earned progress that they've made. And I think the system largely has been really built to help people once they fall down the mountain. Um but we don't have a lot of resources to sort of keep people on the mountain as they're sort of building towards self-sufficiency and sustainment. And so I think that's one of the things that's so unique about us. Um, the other thing on the donor side, Jay, is, you know, giving in America is changing and has been for a long yep. time. Um, when we look at actually donor trends and donor behaviors, people want to give to something direct. They want to understand where their money is going. They want that clarity and that transparency. Right. Um, at the same time, trust continues to go more and more local, which is another trend that right. you know was definitely accelerated by the pandemic, but started even before that. Um, Edelman and Chicago Booth actually did a study last year that that really illustrated this and that people trust um when they give, that the closer they give to community and proximity, the more trust they have that the, the donations will actually be used for good. And then there's also just an increasing trend as well in direct cash assistance. Um, this has been used for a number of years in developing countries and in yep. the international spaces, but um, the it's really starting to catch on, I think, here in the US because the data is clear that direct cash assistance is really the best tool for lifting yep. people out of poverty. And so when you take all of those things together, I think NeighborShare creates a great solution for donors as well, that they can come to our site. We're injecting a, a level of trust into sort of the crowdfunding space right. where for as little as $10, they can you know lend a hand to a neighbor and know that our frontline heroes that are on the ground have verified that this person is real, this need is real. And in most cases, it's a need of last resort where there are other options to kind of fill that need.
0: I love it. So when you guys are going out there, it's like you're not saying "Give to neighbor share" because everybody's going, "I have no idea who neighbor share is. you're just providing a platform to say, "Here's somebody in your community that you can give to that's going to get help to this person right away.
1: yes, we're removing the red tape essentially for these nonprofit partners to help people when they need it, yeah,
0: so tell me how you vet and build partnerships with the local nonprofits that's that feels so daunting. <laughs> Uh, you know, such a big world, yeah. uh, I guess, just just brick by brick kind of thing. Right. But how do you vet, vet your partnerships?
1: Yeah, it's a good question. So the way we we recruit partners is evolving, but the vetting stays the same. So first of all, you have to be rated uh, silver or above on GuideStar. We use that as one of our, our guiding forces. Um, you have to be a direct service organization, of course, 501c3, helping neighbors. Yep. Um, and then we just go through some other light steps to sort of verify either audits or some of our partners are so grassroots that they may not have audits. And so in that case, we sort of audit their p and and how their copy of their internal controls and so forth. Wow. And then we do a personal interview just to introduce ourselves to the frontline heroes and get a, a feel for them. And then in real time, when they submit the needs, of course, there's always, um, if we have questions or clarifications or or things like that, we kind of go back and and make sure like, hey, is this, are we representing the need well? And like, is this Um, actually what it is? And making sure we have clarity there. So we do kind of a few different levels of vetting.
0: Well, and I'm sure you saw this a lot in your work before NeighborShare and continue to see it, that some of these smaller organizations that are doing such great work are so wrapped up in the work that they don't have the horsepower to do that external outreach and fundraising. And that's another area where you guys can really say, hey, we can we can be your partner in this.
1: That's exactly right. We started with the idea that one in three Americans can't afford a $400 emergency quickly. One in three. One in three.
0: One in th- that's amazing. So one in three are barely living paycheck to paycheck.
1: Exactly right. Wow, and then stunning. we realized... You know, like we talked about, then we realized these holes the social care system has in sort of catching these people. But then, like, as the team really started to dig in, it's like to your point, there are so many amazing organizations doing great work, but they have fairly limited bandwidth. And so, a, we're not going to put a lot of like onerous sort of restrictions on them to submit these needs. Once you're vetted and on the platform, again, we're like removing the red tape for you. And then again, to your point, um, we're doing some of that fundraising for you and bringing those donors and those needs to you so that you can do the work that you do best in your local community.
0: Talk to me a little bit about the role that you see of technology in philanthropy. We talked about this a little bit before we got started, but it's always felt to me that philanthropy's always been a little bit wary of embracing technology fully, but at the same time, it's where people live now and it's also where they give. And so tell me how you guys are really positioned to take advantage of this new, brave new world for philanthropy, I guess.
1: <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, I think that's where the product itself started. So we identified the problems we were trying to solve, right? And the constituents we were solving those problems for. And then to your point, if we if we want to engage neighbors in that solution they need a really clean digital experience with an amazing like outrageously delightful user experience and so that's that you know that's what our our original found of or founding team of sort of designers designed and coded for how do we create a really great seamless easy experience for neighbors to come to the site and help a, a neighbor in need and so if you come to our website Mbc mbshare.org um, you'll get a sense of that experience and You'll be able to to browse through all of these needs, see um, the name of the family, the the composition of the family, how many adults and kids, the city that it's in, the nonprofit that brought it to us. Like it, it just presents it to you in a very clear and direct way. Because back to the, the point we were discussing a few minutes ago, like that's what donors want and need. They want clarity. They want transparency. And to your point about technology, they want that great UX. And so that's what we're bringing them.
0: From a customer experience standpoint, this sounds awesome, because it's like, I really want to help. I'm not really sure what to do. I could go to my church, I could do Google searches or whatever, but I could go to you guys. And there's a whole breadth of people right where I am that I can help.
1: That's exactly right. And unfortunately, you know, for better or worse, this is why we exist, a a sort of consistently refreshed supply of needs on the site. And so if you come tomorrow, you'll see different needs than you see next week and then you see two weeks from now. And so those are constantly sort of flowing through the system and meeting those just in time.
0: Well, I love it too, because like you say, there's a lot of organizations that really fill an acute need. Okay, this person is homeless. They need shelter right now. But then that next step of the journey how do we keep them out of homelessness? How do we, when that car happens or that big doctor bill comes, that's that's kind of a, that must be a bit of one of your differentiators is, is you're kind of operating at that
1: level. Yes. We're meeting those just-in-time needs. Just-in-time
0: needs. I love that.
1: Yeah. We, I think they kind of come in in two different categories. So one is, is what we've already talked about, like the really emergency just-in-time needs. The other set of needs, we kind of call our last mile blockers. So think about, um, and I often think about, we had a young father come through um, earlier this year, 17 years old, wanted to provide for his his new and growing family. And the request that came through, Jay, was for $150. He wanted $125 for his security guard certification so that he could take that next positive step change in his life. And the other $25 was for bus tickets to get back and forth wow. to the Right. And so then also we're removing sort of that barrier to that next, Ah. again, path to self-sufficiency.
0: So somebody in his community looks and says, geez, with 150 bucks, I can change this guy's life because now I'm going to increase his earning potential and that's going to help him be stable and all that. That's that's so awesome. So the organization started in 2020 during the pandemic and you've already had an impact in 26 states. It has to be one of the big challenges for you has to be, how do you tackle this growth? Because I'm sure it's like, oh, my gosh, we want to help everybody right now.
1: (laughs) Yes. You have
0: to be strategic with this, right?
1: We do. It's a great question. And that's what we're wrestling through as a board and a leadership team right now. So we've to date, we've helped um, over 7000 neighbors. We've distributed. Yeah, six hundred and fifty thousand dollars to date. And the initial sort of decision of the founding team, which I would do all over again is, hey, we're going to go national in scope, like to what we just kind of discussed. We're in 26 states right now. You know, we did a pretty broad brush recruitment of our original tranche Mm -hmm. of nonprofit partners. And that was great. It's allowed us to position ourselves in some great ways. We've actually gotten some great partnerships because of that. Um, We're about to announce uh, a big transportation sponsor uh, that's going to sponsor all the transportation-related needs on the site. Awesome. And then we're about to announce a a pilot partner for an adopt-your-own-backyard approach, which is our more geographical approach. And strategically, this is what we're going to start driving toward more in the coming months. Um, We're going to stay national for sure. Um, and continue to build out some of the partnerships we've started at that level. But at the same time, we're gonna start to pilot what it looks like to build this more from the ground up in a local community. And so we've identified a couple of key markets. We'll be making that that final determination in the next few weeks. and figuring out what it looks like to build more of that truly local ecosystem and deliver on yeah. the promise of neighbor share and being in proximity and sort of understanding again that that trust is local. How do we build the right, corporate right. partnerships, foundations, seed investors, and then peer-to-peer donors in a local market in a more concentrated way.
0: And I'm sure as you, as you continue this, it creates that flywheel effect where it starts generating its own velocity and everything else. But one of the challenges for you as executive director must be, how do we make sure in this opportunity that we have, you know, you could really blow up. How do you maintain your culture? Um, You know, how do you maintain your ideals and all that? That's got to be a challenge for you with a rapidly growing organization, right?
1: It is and it isn't. So at some level, there's still just two of us um, from a day-to-day full-time perspective, but you're exactly right in the fact that we have at any given time between 20 and 30 volunteers that are flowing through. And so you have to be really intentional about onboarding. You have to be really intentional about um, how we talk about the work. We're really driven by our four goals of community, dignity, transparency, and empowerment. And and some of those speak for themselves, right? We've already talked sure. a bit about why it's Could so be important. To be we're we're driven by community and so forth, but dignity is to me one of our biggest key drivers. And so you see that play out in even the way we've designed the product. We don't actually use photos of of our neighbors in need mm-hmm. um to mm-hmm. protect their privacy and their dignity. And so that um that goes into the way that we write the stories, that we report on things, that we sort of design the product and And the beautiful thing is that most people who want to volunteer and help in this ecosystem already inherently grasp that. And so we're able to to keep that culture sort of strong among our team of of both staff and volunteers.
0: You know, like we were saying earlier, philanthropy has always been and is, and I think always will be very much a relationship business. But at the same time, technology provides a way for people to find things and give in ways that they never would have otherwise. So... This is really a big role that you guys fill.
1: I think so. I mean, I might be a bit idealistic in this day, but to, your, to something you were talking about earlier, I think that the average American would lend a hand to a neighbor in need if they knew what their neighbor's needs were. If Absolutely. We could, if we could hear through walls, if we could see through front doors and know when those acute moments of need are happening. And so that's exactly what we're doing. We're providing a vetted, identifiable way for the everyday American to lend a hand to a neighbor in need. And that feels like it's not only plugging a gap in the ecosystem, but something that the fabric of our country so desperately needs right now.
0: Looking back, was there an aha moment for you when you thought, you know, the nonprofit world is really where I I can see myself growing and becoming a leader?
1: So I've always wanted to be a nonprofit because um, I believe we're here on earth to make an impact. And I also adhere to the value that to whom much is given, much is expected. And I've been lucky and privileged and blessed enough in my life to have had a number of opportunities. And so I kind of view... Um, part of my role here is to extend that opportunity and create that opportunity for everybody. And so that was what drove me initially just to, to sort of build a career in nonprofit. And then, you know, as you go along, you not only get to build incredible impact, but you get to meet so many amazing people and get the privilege of hearing so many amazing stories. Um, and that's just so engaging, addicting, you know, um, yeah. And then, and, and it just drives, you know, it drives your, your desire and, and want to keep sort of begetting more of those results and more of that impact. And so, um, I don't know. It's a privilege to get to do what I get to do. I love doing what I get to do. And um, and now finding this organization that I think solves so many key pain points that I've seen in the nonprofit space for a number of years is just an unbelievable opportunity. So I'm having such a blast.
0: Well, and speaking of pain points in the nonprofit industry, what are some leadership principles that have really helped you that you've leaned on over the course of your career?
1: I think my core leadership value is collaboration. Um, anybody by nature of their title can be called a leader, <laughs> nice. um, but actually building true vision, true consensus and sort of true energy together takes collaboration. And so um, collaboration is one of my key drivers, at least from a leadership perspective. Um, I also, I, um, Really, am driven by integrity. And so I not only try to create integrity in the workspaces um, that I live and operate in, but I'm attracted to other leaders who operate with integrity as well. And so that's a that's a big one for me. Yeah. And then just communication. I think communication out about what you're doing, communication among team members and so forth um, is so critical. And we talk about it a lot, but it's actually hard to do well.
0: <laughs> and
1: so it's both a value and a skill that I continue to try to build over time.
0: What excites you most uh, about the future of NeighborShare?
1: The ability to impact exponentially more neighbors. Um There are so many, like we have said, families and Americans who are slipping through the cracks. There are so many nonprofits doing great work who just need an extra hand and an extra resource. And then there are so many people who I think are looking for a way to plug in and give back. And if we can create that ecosystem of trust where all of those entities can kind of come together and not only lend a hand to one another, but like reweave some of the fabric of our country that I think has really been frayed in recent years. Um, if we can get the flywheel that you described going, um, the possibilities here are endless. And I'm just so excited about our trajectory and how we're building toward that.
0: Oh, I, th- I think you're on to something. <laughs> <laughs> but I'll wind down today and I've got a few left, though. And the first one is, what's something you will read, listen to or watch today?
1: Ooh, so I actually have CNBC on in the background, we didn't talk about this, but the Federal Reserve released their new data yesterday about the number of Americans who can afford a $400 emergency. And so Hmm. I'm going to be releasing some, some different thought leadership and blogs around that and kind of monitoring uh, how they're talking about it in the news. So that's a big one for us today.
0: Is there somebody that you'd point to that's been a role model for you in your career and the work you're doing?
1: You know, I pointed to people, one is my mother, first and foremost, Um, she worked outside of the home for all of our childhood and was such a role model to me and working hard, being passionately committed to something. She was an educator for a number of years and, um, and just sort of the, the way that she showed up for kids and families was such an example to me and just how you lead well and collaboratively. I also have a a former sort of boss and now friend. Uh, Her name is Mary and um, Mary really inspired me a number of years ago because she, um, she tracks something that I thought was really interesting. She tracks the number of women that she has, um, that she's coached through the years or, or that who have reported to her that have gone on to become CEOs, executive directors, sort of C-suite. Yeah. in a a space where I try to like provide other opportunities for other women and lift up other women. That was such an inspiration to me. And Mary continues to be such an inspiration to me in the way she thinks about that and how you build into the next generation of leadership that um, that's been just left such an imprint on me as well.
0: That's fantastic. As a girl dad, I just love love those kind of stories. (laughs) So other than neighbor share, is there an organization out there that you really admire the work they're doing or want to give a shout out to?
1: At the risk of being a little cliche, I would say all of our partner organizations at NeighborShare. I get to be that so completely inspired. fair. <laughs> I get to be so inspired every day by the amazing work that they're doing on the ground, and and they're serving you know victims of domestic violence. They're serving homeless or youth experiencing homelessness. They're serving just so many amazing people who are working so hard to try to make things work for themselves. And so I'm so inspired every day by just the work that they do to support neighbors in need across the country.
0: And you guys are help propping them up. That's awesome. So my last one, if people want to learn more about neighbor share, become a partner, uh, look for ways they can help. What's the best way to find you?
1: Visit us at NB share as a neighbor and is as- as N as a neighbor, be as in, in boyshare.org. Um, and you can, you know, you can see some of the stories that we've helped to support. You can browse needs. You can follow us on LinkedIn and Instagram as well. Um, especially if you're interested in seeing some of our thought leadership on this $400 statistic that continues to evolve. And I'm just excited to bring you into the neighborhood and, and make you a part of the family.
0: I love that. Well, uh, Kelly, I'm super impressed. I can't wait to see where this goes and I'll be cheering you on.
1: Thanks, Jay. Appreciate you.
0: Thanks for listening. And thanks to Kelly for sharing her insights on this innovative idea of neighbor share. This podcast was brought to you by JC Charity Services. Being a nonprofit leader is hard and I can help you thrive. You can find me at makingourworldbetter.com. To learn more about how neighbor share is connecting people and communities all around the country, visit www.nbshares.org. Check the show notes for links. And if you enjoyed this podcast, we'd be grateful if you'd share it with a friend. Until next time, I hope you're inspired to find a way to make our world better.